Welcome to Head to Heart Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Markham. This bi-weekly podcast is designed to be a safe space to admit what we truly believe in our hearts. We all know the difference between just having biblical knowledge floating around in our heads and actually believing that it's true. Until God's truth makes its way into our hearts, nothing changes. We'll be doing a mix of solo episodes and interviews with friends who have experienced the freedom that comes when head knowledge becomes heart knowledge. We'll talk about overcoming lies in our relationships, mental health struggles, and the way we see ourselves. The truth will set you free so that you can walk every day in the freedom God desires for you. It's time to let go of the pressures, insecurities, and burdens. That's not yours to carry. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to Head to Heart Podcast. It's your host, Jenny Markham. I'm so happy that of all the podcasts you could have listened to, you tuned in to us today. So I just want to say thank you in advance for listening to this episode. I have a wonderful guest here today. Her name is Jillian. And fun fact, I did not know anyone named Jillian until this year. And now I know three of them. I literally met three of them in one year. (laughs) (laughs) So Jillian is here. She has a terrific story to share today, and I don't want to say anymore because I don't want to spoil it. So, Jillian, why don't you introduce yourself? All right. Um, my name is Jillian. Um, I am 22 years old. Some fun facts about me is I um, go to a missions college for education. I also work at a Christian Montessori school, um, which is pretty amazing. And I also am a residence assistant for a program um, on my college campus for um, students with disabilities, which is pretty fun. Nice. And what are you passionate about? I am passionate about just missions in general, but mostly like how missions can be redeemed and seen um, in its truest light. I'm also passionate about plants. So Hello. Any, any or should questions? I say Hoya? Hoya! <laughs> Um, any question you ever have about plants, I would love to answer. And I am passionate about my friends. Yeah. Yes, friendship's so important. Yeah. So Jillian, what have you been set free from? I would say that I have been set free from a bitter mindset toward missions and also a self-sacrificing nature. Mm. So when I was in high school, I had been taking ASL, American Sign Language, for four years Um, And when I was a senior, a girl who had graduated from my school and gone on to start a school overseas for deaf children came and spoke to us about how she had started the school and what she was passionate about and was looking for volunteers to come and work at her school. And it was very crazy because I had literally never thought about going overseas. I had never thought about doing missions and I had never thought about doing anything with ASL other than just graduating with the language. (laughs) And God really moved me that night and I felt him place on my heart that I was going to go there. And I didn't even know what that meant. I didn't know what it would look like. Um, I started questioning even if it was from him because it just seemed so left field for me. And I got, I remember getting in the car on the way home and praying to God, like, okay, if this is you, like, if you are the one speaking to me, I need you to tell me because this is crazy. And I walked into my living room and my mom was sitting there and she looked at me in the eyes and said, when are you going to Africa? What? 
And that was just huge confirmation for me that it was what I was supposed to do. So originally, I was only going to go over for six weeks over the summer after I graduated, and then I was going to come back and pursue college as a professional ballet dancer. And eight days after I graduated from high school, I flew overseas to Uganda and started working as a volunteer at the school. And when I got to Uganda, something in me really shifted. God had done a lot in my heart, even like in the very few weeks that I was there in the beginning. And I felt like it was what I had been made to do. I remember reading the passage in Esther's story about perhaps you were made for such a time as this. And I remember bawling because it just felt so true and so real to what I was experiencing. So when the rest of the group that had gone over with me went back to the States, I made the decision to drop out of college and to stay in Uganda long term. After the rest of the volunteers left, I watched the fallout happen to the students and to the people in the community that they had been around once they had gone. And I remember being really impacted by it, specifically because if I hadn't made a different choice and if God hadn't really called me to be there, then that would have been what I was doing as well. And so I started asking questions. I started asking um, leaders there who had experienced other foreigners coming in and out of the country, what their experiences were and how they felt. I started asking other long-term missionaries there that I knew what they had seen and experienced and how they felt. And I recognized that it really hurt them in a lot of ways that I never thought that anyone really thought of. Mm. I basically came to the conclusion originally that anything short-term in, in the realm of missions was way more harmful than it was helpful. Wow. I love how you got curious about your time there. And I love how you got curious about, wait a second, everyone's leaving, but the aftermath isn't what I thought it was. Yeah. That's insane. So I thought when I had made the decision to stay in Uganda that it meant staying, like, quite literally forever. And after I had been there for about a year, I was experiencing such awful burnout and really just felt like I had nothing more in me to give anyone. The situation was not healthy where I was at. It was not healthy. And I was really miserable. And I remember my prayer kept being like, Lord, please just tell me what to do. I, I know that you called me here. I know that you asked me to be here. But I'm so miserable. I need to know what to do. And there was a very clear moment where... The Lord spoke to me and said, I know that you love them, but I love them more than you do. And this is no longer healthy. You need to go home. So I had to make the very hard decision to move back to the States after about a year of working there. And that was really the hardest uh, period of my life I've experienced thus far. It led me into a really, really deep depression because I had changed my entire life like in the course of days to to pursue this and so getting back a no was really really hard for me 
And I truly felt for a long time that maybe that was the only thing that I was intended to do here on earth and that everything else was a waste of time. And I really struggled with that. And I remember one of my friends talking to me one night and she mentioned something in passing about missions college. And it struck me because in my experience of missions, I had no idea that was a thing. I, I didn't either. Yeah. I didn't isn't it either. Crazy? I knew that churches would raise and send missionaries, but the fact that there was a an actual like structured education around missions and who knew? Who knew, <laughs> right? So I just started Googling it and um, found the college that I'm now going to. And throughout the last two years that I've been here, he has spoken so much into my experience. Number one, and how it's not an, an experience that others haven't had. It's actually pretty common. And also just all of the beautiful ways that those hard things that I had to learn have shaped me and have given me reason to want to go back and to pursue this long term. So Wow. It sounds like you've been refreshed, replenished, and healed, honestly. Yes, and it's a long process. It's still Mm -hmm. happening, but for sure. Nothing that's easy ever is really worth it. So that makes a lot of sense. Thank you for sharing your story. I know that we get this idea of what missions looks like in our heads, and it's mostly based on Matthew 28 is where Jesus talks about what we call the Great Commission. So what would you say he actually meant by that Great Commission statement? Sure. Well, I think the part that everyone sort of leaves behind in the Great Commission is the second part of that verse. So he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. But the second part of that is and teaching them to obey obey everything that I have commanded you. And if you look at just even in the New Testament, how much Jesus taught the disciples and led them through, there's no possible way you could teach everyone all of that in a short amount of time. And I also think that we misunderstand that really when someone is living in a different world than you are quite literally a different world there they have a different worldview so that means that they view all of those lessons and teachings and everything completely differently so in a way that you could teach someone from from your country fairly well and have them understand it the way that you would teach it to someone who lived in a different country across the world would be vastly different and I don't think that we look at that often enough right just be completely lost yeah and the metaphors you use and the things you relate the word of god to you just have to change everything that you currently use yeah so if that's what jesus really meant by that great commission where do we seem to get lost what are the misconceptions that we view missionaries as how the church views them here in america and then what it actually is what is the difference so One thing that I think is important, of course, is that difference between teaching and telling. So teaching, just like you are in school, it involves time and resources and all sorts of different aspects that are completely lost if you just go over and, you know, read them some nice Bible verses 
and tell them that Jesus loves them and leave. Um, there's a lot that is missing out of that picture. And I also think that when you look in the Old Testament and you look at uh, the tribes of Israel, like there was one tribe dedicated to the service of the Lord. The Levites were in charge of taking care of the temple. And of course, we think of those things as pastoral work. But I think that missionaries fit into that aspect and that we forget that as well. Is like, it's an actual calling that the Lord places on someone's life. It's not just something that you kind of get out of your system and go on with your normal life with. It's, it's a calling and an anointing of the Lord to preach his word across mm-hmm. the world. Wow. Sometimes we think of like missions trips, short-term missions trips as like a summer fix in yeah. like, okay, so my church takes a short-term missions trip in the summer. So that's my fix for the year. Mm-hmm. So at the beginning, you said he set you free from a self-sacrificing nature. And I think I get the gist of what you're saying and how I know how common that is and have personally struggled with that. What would you define that as and how was it ultimately detrimental to you? Yeah. Part of it, I think, is that I have a huge heart towards acts of service. And so when I moved overseas and there was so much to do and so many things that were available for me to show love in that way, I really almost idolized that and started pursuing fixing any and every situation I could find to help myself feel like I was being helpful and it was a worthwhile thing to be doing for the people that I loved there. But I also know that it definitely was more so my wrongful view of it's my job to come into their situation and to fix what's wrong and show them to Jesus by fixing their situation, sort of um, porting them through their hardships, when really my mindset should have been going in there and showing them the love of God just by how I live my everyday life. And sure, support them in, in their struggles, but also recognizing that I have many struggles that are completely different than theirs and it doesn't make me a better person or better off because they're different. Wow. Yeah, that reminds me of all the missionaries that were from a long time ago or more current day that they're kind of on a pedestal in our minds. Like they have books written about them or they are known for all the good things that they've done. And we think in our minds like, I want to be like them instead of, I just need to be like Jesus to these people. Right. I remember someone telling me that Jesus is like a farmer, not a magician. And that kind of changed everything for me. I still think about that really often. But when there's so much to be done on this big farm, we think like, I have to get it all done. It has to be all me and it has to be all right now. Mm -hmm. But it rarely ever works like that. And if it does work like that in our lives... It leads us to burnout. And how would you recommend us to prevent that from happening? Well, I think one of the most important things in my particular situation was that the organization I worked for just wasn't set up for volunteers and didn't really know how 
to support us through those situations and put a lot more on our plate really than should have been on our plate. So there were a lot of responsibilities and things that I was expected to do that shouldn't have been an expectation, mostly because I was a 19-year-old girl with no previous experience. And I think it's really easy for people in foreign contexts to kind of assume that we would know what is best for them. And I felt the need to take on that expectation. So anything that I felt like I couldn't do, it would fall away and it wouldn't happen. And that was really difficult for me. And so it was sort of like playing pickup sticks. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as my time went on, there were just more and more sticks laid in front of me to the point where I couldn't even handle the amount that was there. And there was additionally more being added on. And I think it led to the point of me feeling like I wasn't loving them because I wasn't able to be what they needed mm. in that moment. Yeah. yeah. It's like we're doing plenty, but in our minds we're not doing enough. Yeah. Just not focusing on the right things. So how would you say we can prevent that from happening in foreign contexts? One thing that I would say is knowing that you're not there to fix anything. You are there to help and to serve them and to be an example of Jesus's heart to them, but you are not there to pick up all the pieces. So acknowledging that there will be times where things don't get done and there will be times where you cannot be helpful in areas that they need help in and knowing that that doesn't make your job description less valuable, but that it's not all on you. Mm. Believe me, I love being organized just as much as the next person, but I have found a pattern in my life when I try to use a basic planner. It goes like this. I'm going strong, writing down what I need to do until Thanksgiving comes around. And then I forget the planner exists until the new year. In January, I'm committed and excited to get organized, but once March hits, I can't even find the thing anymore. Have you ever experienced this? Do you ever feel like you want to get organized but just don't have the time to? Let me tell you about Life in Order. Life in Order is a business that makes 100% customized bullet journals to help set you up to thrive in your goals, business, relationships, and personal growth. My bullet journal has been a game changer for me. And the best part about it was that it was already set up for what I personally needed in my life. Now I can keep track of how much water I drink and how often I'm journaling. I also requested to put a page in there specifically dedicated to honeybees because who doesn't need more honeybees in their life? You can find Life in Order's products on Etsy.com today to get your own bullet journal set up for your unique lifestyle. You can also use the code JENNY15, that's J-E-N-N-Y-1-5, to get 15% off your personalized journal today. So I highly encourage you, take initiative to order one, and your future self will personally come back to you of today, and thank you. We use servant-hearted as such a compliment. Like, it is such a compliment if someone tells you, you are so servant-hearted. I just love your heart to serve. 
And so sometimes those can go straight to our ego instead of just fueling our compassion for others. Yeah. But if we want to be servant-hearted, like Jesus was servant-hearted, how do we do that while still having good boundaries? I think partially it's recognizing that there are things that you can serve and help in, and there are also things that you need to say no because there are other people more equipped to be able to say that yes mm-hmm. and to do those things. I think, uh, you know, a good example of this is a missionary who goes overseas and starts doing medical procedures for other people when they have no medical experience. They use, <laughs> they use the Internet. Um, I remember a story that someone told me where a girl my age had gone over to Uganda and started doing medical procedures for people from videos from the internet no and you know it's easy to hear that and think horrible thoughts about her but I really do think part of it was she believed she was the person that was there to help them and so recognizing well maybe they do need help in that area but I'm not the person to do that and I have no degree (laughs) I have no degree and the internet is not going to save them (laughs) And knowing that, like, you don't have to be the person for everyone all the time. Yeah. And you have to say no for yourself. Mm-hmm. That's really good. That also just takes some level of humility. If someone asks you, like, would you be able to do this medical procedure because we really need help? Your heart is like, well, I do want to help, but your experience says you cannot help adequately. Right. <laughs> wow. So, Jillian, I feel like this is the million-dollar question. And I don't know what you're going to say to this, so I'm just so excited to hear. But is it possible for a short-term mission trip to be helpful, and how? From my personal experience, the first thing that should be done is we should stop calling them missions trips. Because if we really look at what missions is and what they are called to do in Scripture— they're never going to be fulfilled by that two-week trip overseas somewhere. And really, I think putting that label on it when that's not what you're doing gives missions a bad light. When really, there are plenty of missionaries out there doing the work that God has called them to do in Scripture. And it shouldn't be jaded by the experiences of people who encounter these short-term missionaries that caused hurt in some ways Mm -hmm. so I think refocusing as a church completely and just looking at you're going overseas to do a service to do ministry maybe but also having that backup of having the education of knowing how your presence impacts them when Mm -hmm. you go and maybe a complete restructuring of how to continue on that service and that ministry after you've gone so that the hurt isn't left in your wake Mm -hmm. after you've left. Wow. Yeah, just recognizing we are literally just a blip on the map of what God is doing in that country or that area of the world. Absolutely. You're just playing this small piece. Mm -hmm. You're not the huge corn on the cob. You're just a little kernel. Mm Mm-hmm. So that also leads us to the question of, is it for you or is it for them? Is this trip that you're going overseas for 
so that you can experience another part of the world so that you can take pictures and experience new cultures and new ways and feel good about yourself? Or is it really for the people that you're going to serve and to minister to? Because the impact that you have once you've gone back really shows the heart of why that trip existed. I think that that's something a lot of people forget is you go over and you have this amazing experience and learn all of these things about others and about culture and about God. And then you go back to your daily life at home and it's almost just one of those like vacations on a pedestal that you get to look at. But for them, they have experienced someone coming into their life that has made a connection with them who is in a maybe a higher place in society and has used them to make themselves feel good and then they've left and you're stuck where you're at you have so many questions about what they told you what they taught you you have a lot of hurt from the break of those ties once they've left so really I think we have to focus on if these trips are to still exist they need to be done in a way that actually benefits the people they're for. Mm. Wow. So if that was the million-dollar question, then this is the $2 million question. <laughs> is missions worth it? And if it is, then why is it worth it? I absolutely think it is worth it. And it's funny the way that God has redeemed that for me because when I first came back from Uganda... You know, I was in such a place of hurt, and uh, I really felt betrayed, um, and I would have said no. And that's because I know now that my experience was not what it should have looked like for missions. So I think, yes, missions is worth it. And I've learned so many things since being here at school and learning how successful long-term missionaries have fought through these same struggles and it's amazing to see the way that God has worked through those painful experiences in their lives and shown how he is working in the people and in their own life to shape them better and to help others as they go out onto the field yeah that's so ah that's music to my ears I had this moment when I was overseas for a year mm -hmm. that towards the end of that experience, I was operating out of so much burnout. I don't think that the way missions was being done was necessarily made for my role there at the time. Mm -hmm. So I remember one time being at this Bible study that I did not expect this man's words to impact me so much, but he was talking about just being faithful to the Lord like daily they had prayer time afterwards, and I was just on my knees in a puddle of my own tears. But I was like, Lord, was this year worth it? Because I sometimes I really doubt that it was. And I remember that the story of Mary Magdalene coming into the dinner at yeah. a Pharisee's house with Jesus. And she worshipped Jesus by breaking her perfume and, and washing Jesus' feet with her hair. Mm -hmm. That was the story that came to mind. And 
I just remember the Lord saying to me, like, your pain is not in vain. I will use every tear you've cried. Yeah. None of it goes to waste with me. And everyone in that room in that story thought that Mary was wasting everything. It was like, mm-hmm. that perfume took a year's so wages. So expensive. And you just broke it on yeah. Jesus' feet. And Jesus defended her. He felt that this was worth speaking up about. And that her story is now told for thousands and thousands of generations to come. Absolutely. And also, if you think about the actual act of breaking the perfume, her scent of this perfume was left not only on Jesus, you know, as he went on to the cross, but also on her as she had used it to wipe Mm -hmm. her hair on his feet. That smell of that sacrifice that she gave to him stayed with them both. And I think that really shows that the the impact of the aftermath of that stayed with both of them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I love that you shared that. Yes. So, Jillian, are there any final encouragements you would give anyone who's listening who's like, I think I understand, but I'm in a different place in my journey, or I was really hurt doing missions. I don't know if I want to do it again, or maybe they haven't even gone on any short-term mission trips. What would encouragement would you give to them? I think the number one encouragement I would give is just to educate yourself um, to immerse yourself in the world of long-term missionaries who um, speak very clearly about burnout, about uh, harmful ways that we have affected others, and all of the in-between. Really dive into their stories and experiences. Try to learn from them. Spend a lot of time in the Word trying to learn what God's heart for missions was and Try to set aside all of your hurt and misconceptions based on your experience and focus on what God has asked of you, really. Wow. That's amazing. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It was an honor. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Head to Heart Podcast. It's a joy to record them and a joy to have you listen. If you have any topics in mind you'd like us to cover, go ahead and send us a message on Instagram. The handle is head-to-heart underscore podcast. Make sure you subscribe as a way of making sure you never miss an episode. And if you would be so kind, go ahead and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps out the show so much when you do. We'll be releasing episodes to you every other Friday, so stay tuned and thanks for joining us.